The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. If you have a Bible, go to Ezekiel chapter 44. I'll give us a moment to get there. If you've got a phone, you've got time to turn it on and make sure you get to Ezekiel chapter 44. I would love for everyone to have a copy of God's Word in front of them to go along. It's not a matter of if I will accidentally misquote or misspeak. It's just a matter of when. So I make, want to make sure that everyone has God's Word in front of them. Ezekiel chapter 44, we'll be looking to verse 10. And what a special day today is, not just because of what we're celebrating today and the wonderful meal that we'll have when we're done with our service today, but uh, it being Veterans Day weekend. For those of you that I know that have served, and uh, I'm just so grateful for you, Wally, being here and for your service, for all of you who have served our country, what a blessing. What a blessing that we have that I can stand here with God's Word, that you can have God's Word in your hands this morning. Because there's a lot of places where you can't. Which is why you see videos that will go viral over social media and Facebook and different platforms where you'll see in different countries a suitcase that's been smuggled into a different country and they'll open it up and there'll be Bibles. And grown men and women will be just attack this suitcase full of Bibles and they'll be kissing these Bibles with tears streaming down their face because it's not legal where they live. It's not allowed. The sacrifice has not been made for us to have our religious freedom. So it cannot be stated too strongly that those who have made that ultimate sacrifice and served our country to give us the freedoms that we have so that we can have God's Word in front of us. What a precious gift that that is. If you're in Ezekiel chapter 44, looking to verse 10, we will read. It says, And the Levites who went far from me when Israel went astray who strayed away from me after their idols, they shall bear their iniquity. Yet they shall be ministers in my sanctuary as gatekeepers of the house and ministers of the house. They shall slay the burnt offering and the sacrifice for the people, and they shall stand before them to minister to them. Because they ministered to them before their idols and caused the house of Israel to fall into iniquity, Therefore, I have raised my hand and an oath against them, says the Lord God, that they shall bear their iniquity. Verse 13, and they shall not come near to me to minister to me as priests, nor come near any of my holy things, nor into the most holy place, but they shall bear the shame and their abomination which they have committed. Verse 14, nevertheless, I will make them keep charge of the temple for all its work, and for all that has to be done in it. And then verse 15, this is talking about one group, verse 15 talking about a different group. But the priests, the Levites, the sons of Zadok, who kept charge of my sanctuary when the children of Israel went astray from me, they shall come near to me to minister to me, and they shall stand before me to offer to me the fat and the blood, says the Lord God. They shall enter my sanctuary and they shall come near my table to minister to me. And they shall keep my charge. 
In verse 17, listen to this. And it shall be whenever they enter the gates of the inner court that they shall put on linen garments. No wool shall come upon them while they minister within the gates of the inner court or within the house. They shall have linen turbans on their heads and linen trousers on their bodies. And they shall not clothe them themselves with anything that causes sweat. You can actually, if you were to go over to Exodus chapter 28, and you could actually read and, and learn about the actual garments that the priests were to wear when they would go into the temple to minister. And, and even the dimensions, it was supposed to go from the waist down to the thigh, kind of like a boxer type thing. And, and, and some translations even call it linen underwear. And a lot of you are thinking to yourself, what is he about to preach to us right now? There's two groups being described in the text that we just read and two differentiating factors. The first group in verses 10 through 14 that we just read are the worldly believers or the worldly priests. And we read about how because they went astray when the children of Israel did that they were demoted in the temple to only do the busy work of the temple and they were not to go before God because of their unfaithfulness. The second group is the set-apart believers or the set-apart priests. And they were not demoted because of their faithfulness. This was in verses 15 and 16. They were to go into the most holy place and it took form in this interesting way of the undergarments or the underwear that they were to wear when they went into the most holy place before God. And then lastly, the differentiating factors would be the faithfulness to God and the ministries that God had entrusted them with, which we obviously just spoke of, as well as their clothing, verses 17 through 18. And if the Lord would allow me and the Lord would lead me, I would love to preach for just a brief moment on each of these categories. If you're ready for that, everyone say yes. The worldly believers, the first group, verse 10 that we've already read, look back to it now. And the Levites who went far from me when Israel went astray, who strayed away from me after their idols, they shall bear their iniquity. Yet they shall be ministers in my sanctuary. As gatekeepers of the house and ministers of the house, they shall slay the burnt offering and the sacrifice of the people, and they shall stand before them to minister to them. Now, if we were to recap that, you have this group of people, and they were go with the flowers when the children of Israel decided to follow after idols and not follow God. They went along with them. They were easily influenced by them. And, and, and God tells them that they're going to be demoted. They'll still be in the temple, but they are going to be demoted. They're no longer going to go into the Holy of Holies. They're still in the temple, but they're going to have a different task than the people who are not go with the flow and do what everyone else is doing. But the very first thing that we have to see about this, when you read about this first group of worldly believers that God looks at and says, you will bear the shame of your iniquity. You will bear it. The thing we have to remember about this is it is a merciful thing that God still allowed them to be in the temple. These were people that totally were abandoning God and they were totally rebellious in their hearts and it was within every right that God had and totally within His power to do to completely consume them because of their rebellion and because of their disobedience. But because the God that we serve is long-suffering and gracious and kind and compassionate and slow to anger, He still allows them to be priests in the temple. 
He still allows them to serve. Their job changed. The, the, the one thing we can say is, yes, God is merciful, slow to anger, and long-suffering. But the other thing that we can say for certain, looking at this group of worldly believers, these worldly priests, is also that God let them reap what they sowed. And here's what I mean by that. Galatians 6, verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. You reap what you sow. King Saul, when he was in charge of Israel, he sowed greed and bitterness and envy into his reign. And he reaped a shepherd boy named David that would eventually take his place. When David sowed lust and laziness and adultery and murder into his kingdom, he reaped all the issues that he had for all the rest of his reign as king in Israel. He reaped what he sowed. And this is true for us today. If we reap impatience and bitterness and hard-heartedness into our marriages... If we even stay married, we can absolutely expect to reap those things out of our marriage. And when we deal with our children, if we sow impatience and, and a harsh word with them and a bitterness towards them, we can expect to reap bitter, angry, rebellious children. And it works the other way, too. If we sow grace and mercy and compassion into our relationships with our spouse and our children and how we are an employee, if we sow hard work and diligence and show up on time and do a good job and being honest, we can expect to have wonderful things come back because we're reaping what we're sowing. And this was true for the Levites. They sowed unfaithfulness into their ministries of these worldly believers. They sowed unfaithfulness and go with the flow, and peer pressure allowed to affect them, and they reaped the reward of what it was that they sowed. There was a truck driver who was get, driving into the truck stop late one night, and he was hungry, so he goes to the diner to, to eat, and he's a quiet man. He's sitting there by himself, and he's, he's, uh, he's eating his meal, and, uh, and he's, he's sitting there, and three Harley-Davidson riders, big old bad boys, they walk in, and they immediately start ridiculing this man about his stature and the, the shape of his nose and just all kinds of things. And they're, they're poking fun at him and they're, they're even messing with his food and really being abusive to this guy. But the man just sits quietly. He eats what he can of his meal. He walks over where he's supposed to pay his tab and he pays his bill, leaves a tip for the waitress. And he's got food on his face where they were really abusing this man. And, and, and he just walks out quietly. And the waitress, just kind of curious, she walks to the window and she watches this man leave. And a couple minutes later, she comes back to serve these three Harley-Davidson riders that had just been so mean and such bullies to this poor guy. And, uh, and, and as she's serving these three bikers, they, they kind of let out a, he sure wasn't much of a man. And the waitress goes, and he wasn't much of a truck driver either. He just ran over three Harley-Davidsons. <laughs> you reap what you sow. And hear me on this, because this is so important for us to understand. If we reap what we sow, yes, Galatians 6 verse 7 is true. But I also want us to hear this morning, if you have been dealt any kind of misfortune in your life, it may be that you have reaped something that you have sown. And, and perhaps that's God's way of, of growing you in the faith. But I also want us to hear Matthew chapter 5 verse 45 says that it rains on the just and the unjust. 
So if there's a piece of your life that's of misfortune, I don't want you to immediately leave here feeling bad thinking it's because you've sowed some kind of unfaithfulness in your life. Undoubtedly, Jesus did not sow any seeds of, of doubt or unfaithfulness or bitterness into Judas Iscariot. But Judas still went away from the faith. And Jesus later said that it would have been better had that man never even been born. So what I want to tell you is that, yes, it is true that even if you're living for the Lord and obedient to Him and serving God with everything that you have, it still rains on the just and the unjust. That much is sure. But what we know from the pattern of Scripture and what we know of how God dealt with these worldly believers is that they, we reap what we sow. God will not be mocked. A man, whatever he sows, that will he also reap. If you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. The real tragedy about these believers, however, is not simply the fact that they were demoted. It was the fact that they were distanced from God. God said, because of your unfaithfulness, you're going to be demoted to these tasks, which were tasks that they had to do anyway. But the thing that will be cut off from your life is you will not minister to me. You will only minister to people. You will not draw near to me and my holy things in the most holy place. You will only minister to people. And I want to be really clear with everyone right now if there is any part of your heart that is has thought just in the past couple seconds has thought to yourself well it's okay they're in the temple they're saved they're god's children their tasks throughout the week have just changed a little bit so yeah they can't go in with into the most holy place and meet with god and they're not ministering to god anymore they're ministering to people but god's still using them Friends, if that is what your heart just considered as you heard me describe this group of believers, I want you to seriously contemplate whether or not you're even saved. Because if you are a Christian, and it's not just something you know about, but it is a Savior that you know personally, and you've experienced Psalm 34, verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you've experienced Psalm 1611 where it says, in His presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. When you've experienced Psalm 63 verse 3 where it says, your love, O Lord, is better than life. And my lips will praise you. If you know God, if you know Jesus, if you know Him, and your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, you'll know that there's nothing sweeter, nothing greater, nothing more freeing, nothing more wonderful, nothing more alive than God's presence. And it is indeed a tragedy that these worldly believers, in their demotion, God has caused them to not minister to God anymore, but only to people they would not draw near to God. The next group, if you look now to verse 15, it's the set-apart believers. Verse 15 of Ezekiel 44, it says, But the priests, the Levites, the sons of Zadok, who kept charge of my sanctuary when the children of Israel went astray from me, they shall come near to me to minister to me. And they shall stand before me to offer to me the fat and the blood, says the Lord God. They shall enter my sanctuary and they shall come near my table to minister to me and they shall keep my charge. This group 
of Levites, of these priests, the sons of Zadok, these were faithful people. These were not go with the flow and do what everyone else is doing. As all the rest of Israel is leaving and they're going off to serve other idols and the temple is no longer as full as it used to be, other priests were going along with them, but these particular priests of the lineage of the priest Zadok, they said, you go ahead. We're, st- we're not going anywhere. We're staying right here and we're serving God. No matter what idol you serve, we are going to serve the living God no matter how discouraging, no matter how difficult, we will serve God. And isn't it interesting how these groups are referenced? The first group God references as Levites. Just a reference of their lineage. Of who they, what tribe they came out of. But the second group of these set-apart believers, these faithful believers, He calls them priests. Levites. Sons of Zadok. And if you're wondering who Zadok is, if you were to rewind 500 years from this portion of text that we're reading, Zadok was the priest that served the Lord under King David. And if you remember your Bibles, Absalom was David's son that went completely rogue. And there was a period in time in which Absalom was basically trying to steal the entire kingdom from his father. And it was through deceit and lies, and it was a really big mess. And and there were many people, many officials who followed Absalom in this horrible revolt against his own father and there were many opportunities that Zadok this priest would have had to go along with Absalom and and build his own reputation and build his own power and influence and even financial well-being he had all these opportunities but every time in that period of text that you hear the name of Zadok mentioned you find that he was doing the right thing that he was steady Every, doing the right thing, continuing in faith, continuing in service to the Lord, continuing to be faithful to God's anointed king, which was David at the time. He continued to do the right thing. Every time it mentions his name, he was being faithful. And then 500 years later, his sons, his lineage, are still in the temple, still obeying God, still doing the right thing. So isn't that a testament to us fathers? That if we instill faithfulness into our own life, and a steady march before God that takes our commands from God and we obey Him and we live for Him, that it could impact our children should the Lord tarry and not come back between now and then. 500 years later, our children, men, could still be doing the right thing because we modeled service to the Lord and dependence on Him and and not doing what was popular but serving the Lord. They were called the sons of Zadok. and, And because of their faithfulness, they were to go in to minister to God. Not just people, but to God. They were to draw near to Him and have have His presence and be able to enjoy His glory. And, And not just out taking care of the busy work in the temple, but they were to go into the most holy place and to commune with God. Because of their faithfulness, they were set apart believers. Now the next part, the differentiating factors, this is the part that I really want to get to. There's two differentiating factors between these two groups. The first being the unfaithfulness of the first group and the faithfulness of the second group. That's much as clear in their actions of whether or not they just went along with everybody else or whether they remain in the temple and serve God, their faithfulness. But their faithfulness of the sons of Zadok, the actual priesthood that God said would draw to him and minister to him, it manifests itself in something very interesting. Now look to verse 17, Ezekiel 44, verse 17. And it shall be, whenever they enter the gates of the inner court, that they shall put on linen garments. No wool shall come upon them while they minister within the gates of the inner court or within the house. They shall have linen turbans on their head, 
and linen trousers on their bodies. They shall not clothe themselves with anything that causes sweat. So these priests, these sons of Zadok, they were to wear underneath their cloak and underneath their hood or the larger hat that they would wear. The things that were on their skin, on their body, on their person, in between the other layers of clothing was, was a layer of linen underwear was what they were to wear. And it was supposed to not, anything that caused sweat, they weren't to put on their bodies. And you say, that's kind of weird. Why would God be so concerned with that? The reason I believe He was is because in Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, it says, by the sweat of your brow, you will work the land, you will live your life. Sweat was a part of the curse. We sweat when our bodies are in imbalance and overheated. Sweat makes us feel icky. Sweat causes body odor. You didn't think you'd hear that from the pulpit this morning. Sweat was a part of the curse. It was like the world. It smelled like the curse. So here's the picture that you have to have in your mind. There's a temple. And inside the temple are all these priests going around. And outwardly, they all look the same. They've got the robes and all the garb on the outside and they're going about busying themselves in tasks of the temple. But there was, a, there was something different about some of the other ones. And the, the only difference was that some had linen underwear on and the others did not. They, uh, one, one group didn't have sweat on their bodies and all that comes with sweat. And the others did. And the only way that you would be able to tell which priest was in which priesthood which priest was from which group is if you got really 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 close to them and you would be able to tell who had the shiny foreheads and and you'd be able to tell from the smell of of which was which and here's what i want to say to you this morning church which priesthood are you in because we're all in god's house together and outwardly, we can so many times look so similar and so much the same. But what I'm convinced upon the authority of God's Word is that some of us, even though we're saved, even though we're in God's house, some of us will come to God and there's, there's a stench of the world on us. We've put some things on in our lives that cause some sweat and cause some things of the world to happen, cause a stench and an odor to, to come from our lives and to come from our bodies because we haven't been separated from the world. When God had these priests of Zadok, these sons of Zadok come in, they, there was no trace of the world on them. They didn't smell like the curse. They didn't have what the world had on them. And nobody could tell the difference because outwardly, Everyone looked the same. Church, we don't know this morning what kind of underwear you have on. And we're not going to check. <laughs> we don't know if you even have underwear on. And we're not going to check that either. <laughs> it was a personal thing. It was something that they were always reminded of. They, they had removed themselves from the world. They didn't smell like the world. They didn't talk like the world. They did, it, was, it was an inward thing. And from the outside, no one else could tell it was something that was between them and God. There's a verse, uh, two verses that scare me to death, but also gives me great hope. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. Verse 20 says, But in a great house, everyone say great house. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, 
but also of wood and clay, and some for honor and some for dishonor. So if I could equate that into the Old Testament text that we were just in. In a great house, there's not only vessels of gold and silver, priesthood of Zadok, but also of wood and clay, just Levites that were disobedience. Some for honor, Zadok, and some for dishonor, Levites. And when I read that verse as I was studying for this sermon this week, I thought to myself, my God, I could, I could come to this pulpit looking like all of you. And, 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 and because if, if I don't separate myself from the world, if, I, if, if my body has the odor of the world and the stench of the curse, if I allow my mind to consider and to think about all the other things that people in the world think about, if I have this go with the flow and make everyone happy and, and well, I better not preach that because it's unpopular. If I, if I have that smell of the world on me, I could be demoted to only preaching to people. And my preaching would not even get to God. It wouldn't even please Him. I wouldn't be ministering to God because I've been removed from His most holy place. And that scares me to death. But here's the verse that brings great hope. Verse 21 of 2 Timothy chapter 2. It says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, everyone say himself. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor sanctified and useful for the master prepared for every good work so make no mistake church if if you don't know the lord jesus christ is your savior your clothes are stained and you reek of sweat because of your sin your sin has stained you your sin has called you caused you to reek of the world and it, it is a stench in the nostrils of Almighty and Holy God. But here's the good news for you. If that is you this morning, and I pray the Holy Spirit would convict people that He is drawing and hearts that He's maybe even been drawing this week. Isaiah 61 verse 10 says this. It says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. And He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. So if you're saved this morning, you are wearing garments of salvation. You're wearing a robe of righteousness. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, can I just say that God would love to clothe you in those things to exchange your sin-stained, dirty, reeking clothes because of your sin and what Jesus has done on the cross. He has made clean, white clothes for you that's a robe of righteousness and a garment of salvation somebody say amen that is good news that he has made that possible for us through the cross he can commute our death sentence because of what he's done for us on the cross it was this it was the punishment that we deserved so if you've got a garment of salvation if you're wearing this morning a robe of righteousness do you have linen underwear on underneath it? Have you positioned your life in such a way that you don't think like the world, talk like the world, want to be in the world, want to go with the flow, want to do what everybody else does, want to drink what everybody else drinks, want to smoke what everybody else smokes? Have you, have you removed yourself from that? Or is there, or is there a, whift on the, a waft on the air if somebody got really close to you, the people that know you best? If somebody were to interview your spouse or your girlfriend, or fiancé, or boyfriend, or, 
or a co- coworker that's been with you for years and they were to and we were to interview them, they know you really well. They'd be able to tell us whether or not it's a personal thing of whether or not you've removed yourself from the world and whether or not you have a stench on your life of the world. So my prayer for me, my God, it's the prayer for me. And my prayer for us as a church together is that it would that we would praise God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God that He would give us a robe of righteousness. But that we would be mindful of what we're wearing underneath between just us and God. Because the life that produces either clean, no-sweat linen undergarments or wool things that call sweat because we really like the world and all that it has to offer, the difference between that is to whether or not we will draw near to God or not. And it terrifies me. It grieves me to know that Christians all over our nation are in the concluding moments of a sermon right now and they're just satisfied with their robe of righteousness and they've treated it as if it was fire insurance. And can I just tell you to be totally transparent that I've been in all stages myself. I've been stained clothing from sin and a total enemy of God and rebellious in my heart. I've been there. I've been naked and needed the robe of righteousness and the garment of salvation. I've been there. And because of Jesus, He he saved me and gave me those those white, clean clothes. And I've also been, in, in times in my life, I've also been in the place where I've, I've had the robe of salvation, and I've had the garment of salvation, I've had all those things, but, but what was I wearing underneath? Was I just treating Jesus like fire insurance, or was it something that was, no matter what the rest of the world does, I will not live this way? I've been in that camp too. So my prayer for me and for all of us And Brianna, if you would come now. My prayer for all of us is that we would be mindful to to be not just a Levite, but to be in the priesthood of Zadok. To have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that's close and we love His presence. We love drawing near to God. We love praying. We love reading the Bible. We love ministering to our spouse and to our children. We love the things of God. We've come to the place where we really believe Psalm 63, verse 3, which says, your love is better than life. Not many Christians say that. And the Christians that say it don't believe it. So which is it for us? That's a place where we have to look at the inwardness of our heart and be real with God. You can, you can fake your friends and you can fool your coworkers. And some pastors will even say that you, you can fake them, but you can't fake your wife and your kids. I think you can probably even fake your wife and your husband and your kids and the people that are closest to you. I think you could probably, if you tried hard enough, fake it with them too. But we will not fake it with God. He knows our hearts. He knows your heart. He knows mine. So which will it be? Salvation is a work of God and when He closes with His righteousness, that's, that is His work and His Holy Spirit drawing us and us accepting His love and repenting from our sins and He's clothed us with the righteousness. But when we're wearing those beautiful robes that God has given us and we have His righteousness and it's no longer our own, it's up to us to decide what kind of underwear we're going to wear. It's up to us to decide 
whether or not we're going to be able to, whether we will make it a priority to draw near to God or just to be like everyone else. Would you stand with me? This is a time for us to pray, and I pray that above all else that you would just be real with God. And I've asked a couple men, if you guys would come up now, the men that I've asked earlier to come and pray for me, because I know that I probably need more help than anybody. Not because I'm a pastor, just because I know my own heart. And my prayer is that they are going to pray for me to maintain a ministry that would be one that ministers not just to people, but to God. Let's pray and sing.